Welcome into another edition of New Track Record. Thanks for joining us, Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney, as always, with you. Hello, Justin. Hi, Caleb. We have a lot to digest on we this do? week's episode. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm I, I mean, think about everything that's gone down. Last week, at the end of the episode, all the rage in IndyCar was a throwback race. Uh-huh. Um, instead, we get contract drama, we get silly season announcements, mm-hmm. and we have to prep for Gateway, which I think we both agree if IndyCar were to hold a throwback race, Gateway or Milwaukee would probably be the, the best option. And Gateway expressing interest yes. in a hosting a throwback race. So, uh, unfortunately, other pressing news items to get to this week, but that's, it's a good off-season topic. We could go yeah. team by team with like what would be the, the liveries. Yeah, the... Yes, I agree. But uh, right we'll now, save though, that for slow time. Yes, right now we have a lot to get to. I mean, we have Marcus Erickson news. We have silly season news. We have Alex Pillow news. We always have Alex Pillow news, <laughs> right? That's every week. So this is kind of do you want to do you want to start Pelos. negative with the Pillow stuff? Let's get stuff? the negative stuff out of the out way. Of the way. First. Let's okay, get that's, this out that's of the fine way because me. this is just going to drag on, and it's just like this last time this time last year just, it'll get into lawyers and litigation and I'd that's where interest. you not only lose us but i think the audience also yeah, loses us. you don't want out. us talking legal terms no you do not want to i can fake my way through some of them um fun fact i have been sued before really yes i could see that it uh pertaining to my day job it was so kind you of a, specifically or like the uh, myself among other media entities Okay, so not by yourself. Yes. You and others. Yes. Cool. At all. Um, Were you actually served papers? Um, I wasn't like personally, but the you know the office was. Okay. Right. 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 But they. So it was from a, a criminal. I'm I'm cleared. Like it's it's out of the way. This was. <laughs> Are you sure? Are yes. you wanted? Is no. there a reward out for no. if I turn you in? Okay. No. But uh, yeah, a little bit of a fun fact. Um, you know, when you're in jail and and you know you're going to prison for a crime you committed and are found guilty, uh-huh. you're going to do everything you can to try to you know not face that prison sentence. Now, so, to cl- be clear, you're not talking about from experience being in prison. No, not not for me. I'm <laughs> saying the the other the other party, party yes, in uh-huh. the the what the plaintiff in the lawsuit, yes. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, I I can't get too into the details. I don't think that's. Uh, I mean, your, it's it's not pending. Your so legal I guess I representation can. has. No, you to no, the lawsuit, comment? like everything's cl- my name is cleared, everything's good. Okay, but Alex Blow's name is not clear, not everything is not yet. good. He's how about he, that for a segue? He owes a lot of money, or is going so, to owe a lot of money. Uh, the, the lawsuit has been filed McLaren Racing Limited and McLaren Indy LLC, of course, the Aero McLaren IndyCar team, uh, have filed. A suit against ALPA Racing USA LLC, which is Alex Pillow's, essentially his business entity name uh, for him. But that was served uh, in UK commercial court documents earlier this week. Uh, the court documents not yet been made public as of the publishing of this episode the evening of August 24th here in the US. But uh, this from Nathan Brown of the Indy Star. Sources saying part seven claims made for the process claiming money from the defendants believe McLaren's damages range between 20 and $30 million. Damages they will look to recoup from Pillow. That, of course, includes the salary advance that was reportedly made to Pillow ahead mm-hmm. of the, the team welcoming him for the 2024 lineup, which we know is not happening now as of two weeks ago. Um, the investments in the McLaren Formula 1 team, because remember, he was part of their testing program for about a year, and a reserve driver... He had at least three private test sessions, F1 practice debut at the U.S. Grand Prix at Coda last October. And then let's not forget commercial investments. Someone brought this up, and I can't remember where I saw it, but NTT data going to McLaren, I think we thought of that as, oh, they just want to partner back with Felix. And it's like, no, that was actually for Pelot. So mm-hmm. it makes so much sense. So you have that's probably a part of the twenty to thirty million. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the the sponsor obligations, hiring of team and staff, you know, it, everything that's involved with having an entry in IndyCar takes right. a lot of prep. So those are the the key things. Uh, you go back to a year ago when Chip Ganassi sued Pillow for breach of contract. Um, obviously, Ganassi was able to hold on to Pillow for this year with the team option. But you have all this drama. 
I don't know what's going to happen with this. As far as the legal details, well beyond me. But you wonder how much of the advance did did Pelot get? Because remember, this was a driver that was making, you know, on his current contract, we presume somewhere in between two hundred and three hundred thousand dollars a season. That's a steal, especially after he won the twenty one championship. That's uh-huh. why he won in a raise. That's why all this happened and went down last summer. So now you presume if McLaren was paying him top money, I mean that's five six million a year to be up there with the Herdas and the Dixons of right. the world. Yeah, and 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 for Pelot, we know he wanted paid, and that's understandable. But from all indications, McLaren was about to and had already started making a massive investment in him. Yes, and now that he's. Going back to Ganassi, or I guess staying with Ganassi, what happens with that cash? And that's why McLaren is trying to get back. That's a that's a that's a big amount of money. And I don't know if they're trying to throw in quote unquote pain and suffering or whatever, but they'll word it different. But like, how much monetarily is McLaren losing out on when you look at the the sponsorships and the salary that they committed and all this stuff? I imagine it's. It's it 10, be, $15 million yeah, altogether. Yeah, between salary and sponsorships and investment in the team, yes. And you throw in the F1 element, and that's where you're getting this 20 to $30 million figure because, again, he was under contract not just for IndyCar in 24, which is confusing, right, because we thought September 1st was that day he could actually right. negotiate, and we're still a week away from that. But... I mean, significant investments in understatement. That's where that big number comes from. Zach Brown even said in that email letter, uh, we have paid him a significant first payment toward his 2024 season. So I, I think I read somewhere and have heard in the past that drivers can sometimes get you know, like essentially installment payments. Think of it like a game check, right? But in bigger yeah. chunks. But the fact that it starts before he's technically hired or t- starts with that team is just kind of weird. I, it's I'm sure. weird, but you got to remember he's active member of their, that's well, true. he was, of the F1 testing yeah, program and true. had tests coming up later this year. I think three of them after the IndyCar season. That's probably not happening, right? No, no that's <laughs> certainly not. not happening. So first payment was given in addition to the millions of dollars toward developing him in our Formula 1 testing program. And in his reserve driver role with a potential drive in F1 in the future. And then, as we mentioned, the, the commercial element as well with NTT data coming over, which we would presume is for Polo being with the team. All that said, that's a lot of money. And for Alex Polo, um, you better hope that new deal with Chip Ganassi Racing pays you a lot of money because a lot of that is going to go to to McLaren Pay off at least or settle this lawsuit. Yeah, or at least to your legal bills. Yes. Here's the thing. Well, and, and wasn't McLaren paying his legal bills for the yeah. Ganassi I'm stuff sure last year? Anymore. Obviously not. Maybe now. Ganassi will pick up the legal bills for, for McLaren. Uh, I uh, doubt it. Here's the thing. And you can say I, I know people like to talk about Zach Brown and McLaren and they're the villain and and oh my gosh, Chip Chip's a villain, blah blah, blah whatever side you're on. The only person that created this cluster is Alex Pillow. As good of a race car driver as he is on track is about as incompetent as he is off the track. For a while, we kept blaming his management team, right? Yeah. His management team dropped him. <laughs> yeah, Monaco Increase Management dropped him the week before that letter came out a yes. couple weeks ago. What on on the Wednesday and the, this news leaked on the Friday night right. after practice and qualifying, of course, for the uh, Gallagher Grand Prix at IMS. But that management team basically had said at that point, "Yeah, we haven't talked with him for several days. Yeah, we don't know what's going on. We're in the dark. We're we're yeah, we're we're done with him." And, and this is the thing: is right now people are tolerating Alex Pillow. P, and I'm talking about the teams, Chip, Zach, mm-hmm. whoever, because he's a winner. Chip loves winners, right? Yeah. Likes winners. Doesn't Does love he like, them. Doesn't love them. He just likes he winners. He just likes them. Okay. And right now, Alex Pillow is a winner. How long does that keep up? Because he's pissing off a lot of people. <laughs> that- yeah. Could yeah. come back and bite him, right? Well, and, and you know, there are rumors about, well, if Alonzo leaves Aston Martin and Honda goes to Aston Martin and... What does that mean going forward as far as 
you know, could could there be an F1 drive there in 2026? Which, I mean, look, he's burned his bridge with the McLaren. That was a given. I don't think his McLaren program was going to help him get a McLaren seat ever in F1 because Piastri's shown well and Lano Norris isn't yeah. going anywhere in the short term um, unless he gets poached by, like, a, a Ferrari or Mercedes. But he has Williams and he has Alpha Tauri or whatever they rebrand to for 2024. Right. Those are his only options. And which, which aren't happening. Like he has no. a better chance for 2025 potentially on yes. what could happen on the F1 grid. But make no mistake, Alex Pillow right now is what? 28 years old? 26. 26. Which in 2 years will be 28, which you may as well be 50. For F1, yeah. For F1. Like, people will say, well, you look at, at for Alonso and Ricard, like, Fernando's world champion. Mm-hmm. You get second chances if you're really popular, like, like Daniel Ricardo. Ricardo, or you're a former champion, like Fernando Alonso. Mm-hmm. You don't, oh, here's a 28, 29 year old rookie coming into Formula One. You just don't see it. Which, I mean, Bourdais got his one chance and it was a season and a half. And then he was back in IndyCar. Yeah, especially nowadays. Now Formula One is everybody's eager to put a 19-year-old in the seat if they have the chance to be a next big thing. That's a better investment in their minds than putting a 28, 29-year-old rookie in because what are you going to get? Three, four years out of them tops, if anything. So this is the thing. Alex Pillow may be 26, and that sounds young, but in a couple of years he's going to be very, very close to being over the hill by F1 standards, and he's not making any friends. McLaren has friends in Formula One, and I'm sure they will talk to about Alex Pillow <laughs> if somebody asks. Yes. Hey, what do you think about Alex Pillow? Zach Brown, well, how much time you got? Sit on down. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. It's not helping Alex Pillow. I think Alex Pillow has this arrogancy about him that as long as I keep winning races and winning championships, I can do whatever the hell I want. And maybe you can for a certain amount of time, but eventually you run out of opportunities and people just grow tired of you. And I think that's going to happen at some point unless he changes his approach. Like, is this a driver? I Like, he's not popular, but he's not unpopular either. I he's mean, it was kind more of a, unpopular. Well, yes. <laughs> it was like 21. It kind of felt like a breath of fresh air to have this kind of newcomer burst onto the scene and have success and, and win a title. But, you know, by now we're basically at the point where. And you know, this guy just like stop with all the antics. Like right. it, it's it's all on him. Uh, did you see what Will Power had to say about all this? I did not. So he went on on Speed Freaks and he said, uh, referring to Pelo, he should just not have a contract because it doesn't seem to matter. I, I agree. I mean, at this point, stop signing stuff or agreeing to stuff that you're not 100% committed to. Why don't you wait till the end of a season and then decide what you're going to do? And, and then Power went on to say as far as, uh, you know, what a blow just started a one-car team. Power said, then he'd dishonor the contract with his own team. It'd just be confusing for him. He'd just be like, well, I'm not driving for you. And he'd be like, hang on, you are me. So <laughs> how are you going to, not going to drive like you are me? be very confusing. Um. Will Power is is uh, messing with my mind with these quotes. Yeah. But <laughs> Alex Pillow just needs to shut up and race, and that's that's part of the the oddity of this whole thing is on race weekends he's just a laid back regular guy. It seems like right. You get him behind the scenes away from the racetrack as he's an absolute terror. He's signing contracts, he's agreeing to contracts, he's reneging on contracts, he's going to this team, no, he's going to go to that team, and this team's not winning, so I'm going to go over here. And it, It's like, dude, you're, you're burning too many bridges. And in the short term, it might not hurt you, but I guarantee you, in the long term, it's going to hurt you. And I think fans have looked for a villain, and usually we think that that's going to come based on on-track um, shenanigans. Are we getting that with Alex Polo based on what happened is going on off the track? I think there are going to be more people that root against Alex Polo next season than did this season. And I think there were more people this season that rooted against Alex Polo than there were last season. And we have listeners that have said that to us that say, well, I don't, I hope Alex Polo doesn't win because of what happened and him leaving McLaren or Ganassi initially. Well, now he's back. So. He's not endearing himself to the fan base, and, and maybe we can look at Alex Pillow as a little bit of a of a villain character. And you know what? That's 
I guess it's not There's the worst wrong thing, with that. Right? I just kind of wish it translated to the racetrack because he's tough not to like on the track. And even on race weekends, he just seems like a, a different person away from IndyCar weekends. Yeah. And I, I guess that's the unfortunate part is in, in all of this, it's taken away from what he's done on the racetrack. And that's the number one thing. Like you have a, an elite driver who's a top three driver in the series and all anyone's going to remember the season for is the off-track drama, even though he's going to be the runaway series champion. Right. That's going to dominate the headlines even after he wins the championship is, is what's going on with that legal, legal is, those legal issues. Uh, is Alex Blow's kind of carrying himself that I am the best driver in this series. I know I'm the best driver in this series, and I can do whatever I want, and teams will bend over backwards for me because I am the best driver in this series. And that only lasts for so long. It's true. You you run out of goodwill eventually. And I think that's happening right now in real time. That's just the, the reality of where we're at. Yeah. All right, let's let's talk about something positive. We have Let's do it. We have we have silly season news. Um we have a, a lot of good stuff to get to in regards to the silly season. So let's start out. Officially Marcus Erickson finally announced to Andretti in 2024 and onwards a multi-year deal. This is not a surprise. I think we figured Erickson, if Pelot's staying at Ganassi, we kind of figured it was unlikely that Chip would keep both, especially because Chip was adamant about Erickson being a a pay driver, so to speak. Obviously not the case here. Uh, Erickson's had a billionaire Swedish backer for years. Uh, I would think Husky Chocolate or Husky Ice Spritz or whatever brand they're promoting. I mean, based on what they post on social media, it seems like they're staying on board. I think this just means that Marcus Erickson is getting paid instead of having to pay for the seat. We need a billionaire Swedish backer. That's what we need for this podcast. Good on Marcus Erickson. We knew that Chip Ganassi wasn't keeping both Alex Pillow and Marcus Erickson. For a while, it looked like... Neither. Neither. Well, for a while, it looked like Erickson, yes, Pillow was gone. Then it looked like neither, right? And now with Alex Pillow back in the fold, we said Mark, it's a mere formality that Marcus Erickson is gone. Has the Indianapolis 500 win, and that's great. But can he be a playoff contender? Uh, or a championship contender, excuse me. But he has races and or wins in three straight seasons. Sixth that sits at sixth right now, heading in to this weekend in points. Interestingly enough, that's where he finished in 2021 and 2022. He goes from never finishing in the top five in points at Chip Ganassi Racing to now going to a team that hasn't won a championship since what 2012 with Ryan Hunter Ray. Yeah, correct. I'm just saying. I hope Marcus Erickson can continue to be a factor, but this is a guy that has yet to compete for a championship in his career with one of the two teams that can win championships in the series. So now him going to Andretti, can he be a consistent race winner? Probably. Is he ever going to be a championship driver at Andretti? I'm not so sure. 12 top 10s this year. He's consistent. Yes, he 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 was a championship leader for a bit last year. Still sixth this year. Um, won a race each of the last what three seasons? Yep, now. three seasons. Four wins and three I, I, seasons. I mean, he brings something to Andretti that they don't have, which is an experienced veteran. Checks that box. A yeah. guy who has improved his qualifying status, which Andretti has speed, right? Especially on right. street circuits and some road courses, uh, but they don't have good oval speed. He helps with that. And more importantly, he's really consistent. And that's the one thing with the Andretti cars. Some weekends, they're they're great. Other weekends, they disappear. So he brings that, and I think he could help. You know, he benefits from their qualifying pace on street circuits. And then I think he helps the team by having experience in the series for, wow, five seasons. Hard to believe. Uh, but five seasons. And it'll be going on a sixth next year with the team. You have a really good lineup with him, with Herta, with Kirkwood. All of them can, can not only be race winners, but I think you would presume they could be championship contenders. Now, 
I mean, that's that's the peak, right? And Andretti hope. clearly has to make a step forward next year to get back on that level. And I think the other thing is just having an older voice in the room with experience like Ericsson. I mean, Grosjean's been in the series a few years, but Ericsson has a lot more experience, a lot more races under his belt, and is consistent. We know that Grosjean's not. So we don't know what car number. We don't know the sponsor. What does this mean for Grosjean? Probably not good because his contract runs out in September. We already know that Devin DeFrancesco won't be back with the team. We'll get to some of his options a bit later on in the episode. Does he slot into that and Grosjean stays, or do you think there'll be two new? Do you think, I, I think there'll be two new drivers to Andretti? Um, I, I'm, I still think David Malukas. I mean, our, our listeners think another team for that. But David Malukas said the Marcus Erickson news had no impact on his future IndyCar plans. So put that in perspective. Where do you feel Marcus Erickson slots in with the hierarchy of Andretti Autosport? I'm talking Kirkwood, Herta, and Erickson for right now. Those three. Where would you slot Erickson in to the hierarchy of that team? I'd put him number one. I would too. He has an Indy 500 uh, I mean, win. Yeah, Indy 500 winner. He's he's, he's won a race in multiple for multiple seasons. seasons yeah, he, Colton Herta has. The biggest thing looked. is Kirkwood and Herta both have top end speed that is up there with anyone in the series. The problem is they're just inconsistent. Right. Like I said, I mean they could dominate a street course or a road course, and then the next weekend at a different event just disappear, qualify mid pack, and, and not get a result. Erickson doesn't do that. Right, And he is a guy who struggled with qualifying early on, but he, he's found a way to just be consistent. And yeah, it's not flashy, but his approach hopefully could pay dividends for the other two younger drivers on the team. That is the hope. And he'll definitely be, if not the alpha, close to it with Andretti. And he gets paid. He's not bringing money to the equation. So... Marcus Erickson lands on his feet. I just don't know if he can take a next step and be a a championship contender when Andretti doesn't compete for championships. And the other note from all this, Nathan Brown, the Indy Star, reporting that DHL, who's been Roman Grosjean's sponsor at Andretti and a longtime team sponsor, you go all the way back to, what, 2010, I believe, with the team. But, again, always throwing in the the juicy nugget at the end of the story classic classic uh, IndyCar reporters here but all signs point to that DHL could be going to Ganassi in 2024 mm. interesting I find that interesting as well um, what you know who would that be for like Marcus Armstrong will probably have a full time seat next year because of this movement within the team right it's just a matter of will he be in the 8 car or will he be in the, what, is it 11 car? Right? 11 yeah, car? the 11. So, I mean, he'll, he'll be in one of those cars, and I would presume full-time. It seems like it's trending toward that right now, which, I mean, deservedly so. He's had a great rookie year. Yeah. But I am going to be very curious, you know, what's the sponsor? Um, how is this going to play out at, at Ganassi? Because, obviously, now we have – a seat open and for Andretti they've even said I found this fascinating it's not necessarily that they're just going to add a fourth car mm-hmm. Marshall Prude of Racer.com with some interesting notes in his story why the Andretti Erickson deal is a good fit for both sides so it's it's not a given they run a fourth car um, Grosjean not expected to return is what Pruitt reports which is not a surprise after Laguna Seca Erickson likely to step into Grosjean's number 28 car. Obviously, we know DeFrancesco's leaving, but also Racer understands the Andretti team is contemplating whether it would be better to stick with four full-time entries or if it would become more competitive by downsizing to three cars, as Penske did back in 2022. Also said to be a possibility for a new co-entrant or two to join the number 29 program and bring a recent IndyCar driver back to the series in the car. But Edwards is in Rob Edwards wouldn't be drawn on whether the team is preparing to focus strictly on Erickson, Herta, and Kirkwood, or if it will seek to keep the number 29 entry in motion with a fourth driver included in the mix. Here's my biggest thing with all that. Yes. That car is eligible for leader circle money. If they give that up, they're never getting it back. Like, they're the only team who has True. a fourth car eligible that, for the leader circle. It, I don't know how much that impacts. I know it's a lot of money. I mean, it's, it's, it's just Andretti, shy of a million dollars. Yeah, but Andretti needs to go down to three. They're 
they obviously can't handle four cars. They're always screwing up. If it's not the team, it's the driver. If it's not the driver, it's the strategist. If it's not the strategist, they can't get the car right, engineering-wise. There's always something with Andretti Autosport. The best approach would be three full-timers and add another one for Indy. That's what I think they should do. I would keep it and and have the extra funds. I don't think... And make sure you're pickier with that entry. When... A.K.A. a David Malukas, you know, over a Devlin D. Francesco. When Andretti is going to have to come up and probably has hundreds of millions of dollars to invest in Formula One, I don't know how much $930,000 of leadership circle money is impacting <laughs> their decision. It's a lot of money. I get it. But Andretti has a hell of a lot of money and a hell of a lot of backers with stupid money for a Formula One. I don't think they're looking at that and going, man, we bet we can't get that 930K up, particularly when you haven't been competitive with that car for a while. I think it's more that you give that up, you never get it back. And a million dollars is, you know, you look at budgets anymore in any car. And for a team like Andretti, you're probably talking 10, 11, 12 million dollars per car per season now. So it's not insignificant, but it's also not a lot. Yeah. I just think, though, you, you, knowing that you can never get it back, uh, that's why I wouldn't give it up. I get it. I just don't know how much that affects the decision. Because I do think long-term, they're better off with just three cars. I mean, I, I agree from a competitive standpoint. They'll run a fourth at any, though, so it doesn't really well, change anything there. True. I don't know. Overall, though, the Erickson signing makes a lot of sense. I think the team got better. There are even reports that Michael was throwing stupid money at Alex Pillow to come to his team. Clearly, I don't think that's happening because they got no. Erickson ex- instead. Well, that would throw... Maybe the Alex Pillow will just change his mind from going back to Ganassi and go to Andretti. <laughs> well, why stop now, right? Let's yeah. just keep it going. Create, create more drama. <laughs> so that's the, the first bit of silly season news. Um, there are a lot of other notes to get to. On the silly season, we'll get to throughout the episode. Um, the other big story, and I don't think anyone saw this coming. Foyt and Pinsky partners in IndyCar. Hey, this is a, a pretty big deal, and good for both these teams. I, I I think this was completely shocking, but Marshall Pruitt reporting this that they will have an alliance. And this starts, I mean, it starts now. Uh, the the yeah. two-car Foyt team will be able to use dampers and technical support provided by Team Penske during the final races of the season, and then will obviously expand. So th- this is great for both teams because Penske is g- potentially has a logjam of talent they're bringing up through the Force Indy program in lights with Miles Rowe, who's going to move up, most likely, who's been excellent in, in the latter. And then... Ernie, Ernie Francis, Francis Jr., Jr., who they currently have, who probably needs one more year, and then he could At be least ready more. for advancement to IndyCar. So this is not just getting you know the technical alliance like we see with Meyer Shank and with Andretti, but it's also really top-down a program from drivers to staff. Uh, Tim Sindrick kind of likened this to their partnership with Wood Brothers and NASCAR. So a, a training ground for people he's saying whether it's drivers crew engineers whatever else and they tried to establish this last year with scott harner 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 left for andretti topic was parked until a recent outreach made by larry foyt so it sounds like both parties really like this and again for penske having a satellite team for their young talent and their young engineers and their young crew guys it's a development ground and more importantly it, it keeps Foyt on much more solid footing. I mean, think about it. Santino Ferrucci's not going to want to go anywhere this offseason no. because of this. Uh, and Benjamin people may Peterson, even look to, to yeah. go to Foyt. Oh, well, that's that's already happening right now. Um, as far as drivers, uh, Pruitt reporting racers heard about the Penske-Foyt alliance from a number of quality drivers who've expressed a desire to join the Foyt team as a result of Penske's involvement. So it's, it's going to help with drivers, with hiring crew. It's going to help with sponsorship. I mean, top down, this is great for Foyt. And Penske benefits because they still don't have to have a lights team. 
they have a junior IndyCar team now to develop their talent in-house. This is very – you're smiling, <laughs> but this is the first junior team in IndyCar. And and that's not saying it was, it was the wrong decision for, for Foyt. This is what they needed to do to, to stay relevant going into the future or become relevant again in IndyCar. They're now the Penske junior team. They are the Alpha Tauri to Red Bull is basically what they did, this is. They are going to – groom drivers and engineers and pit crew folks that eventually move up to Penske. That's just what this is going to be. And you know what? It's the best opportunity for Foyt in a decade, decade plus. And they're perfectly happy. If you call them and say, hey, you're the junior team to Penske. Uh, yeah, you're damn right we are. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of people I saw point out, well, What's in it for Penske? It's like, well, it's a training ground for everyone from drivers, crew, engineers, etc. But also, let's not kid ourselves. Foyt had something at Indy this year in terms of Penske didn't pace, or at least some Penske drivers didn't. That Penske has not had since 2019 when Simon Pagenaud won the race from pole. Now that said, Newgard won the race. Newgard won the race, but. Foyt found they, they they bottled the success for Indy and, and a lot of that I think is, is Michael Cannon and, and his partnership with Santino Ferrucci uh, going back to their coin days but I mean that's that's another element that helps because Penske's looking for Chevy teams to be more competitive now you wonder will will Foyt get the customer Chevy engines or the Penske Chevy engines right. my guess would be the customer yeah there I don't think they're getting the uh, the latest. The Penske uh, Ilmore spec, instead right? of the uh, Chevy <laughs> Ilmore created but version. This is a win-win, and I think it makes so much sense. And probably not the the first or only. This will be the first, but it won't be the only arrangement no. at some point. We, I think you'll have a, a couple of these arrangements within a couple years in IndyCar. We talked about uh, Hunkos possibly with McLaren last week. That still seems at play. Obviously, Andretti and Meyer Shank already partnered together. Um, if you're Ed Carpenter racing, if you're Ray Hall, I mean, you're probably wanting to, to hop on with someone. Uh, perhaps, you know, does a coin partner with Ray Hall to help both teams? Does Ed Carpenter racing partner with a a McLaren or partner with, I'm trying to think of who else they'd even have to partner with. There are fewer Chevy teams. That's the right. other part well, of the problem. The thing is, though, I don't know if Ed Carpenter racing is ready to say we're the junior team to another team. Foyt is perfectly fine with that. Yeah. I don't think Ray Hall's in a position where we're like, yeah, we're going to be the junior team to this. We're going to agree to effectively run the drivers that Penske wants us to, to, to run. That's basically what this arrangement is. Or we're going to hire the people that Penske wants us to hire. I don't think there are too many other teams out there right now that will agree to that. Could be there. There could be maybe a Hunkos, maybe a coin. But to me, those are the, really the only two right now that I could see that happening with, at least in terms of full-time entries. So, and speaking of entries and partnerships, let's get back to essentially silly season discussion. So, some of these notes from the mailbag, we'll also get to the latest with Devlin Francesco. So, Marshall Pruitt saying, no Mick Schumacher at McLaren, but uh, he's putting his money on a young IndyCar veteran getting the nod to be pretend below. Uh, a Malukas <laughs> or Ilot is where I'd look first. And if it's not them, there's no shortage of European options. I found it find it interesting that Malukas thrown out there because we know Ilot is is on the radar. Um, other notes, so I think Pruitt was talking about with that Andretti entry, you know, a recent IndyCar driver. I think that's tied to this. I'll ever ask you. Uh, Pruitt says he's on some short list for IndyCar seats next year. Has been doing Formula E commentary and driver coaching. That would be my guess, just because he had ties with Andretti, not only in the latter series, but also uh, in uh, Formula E for their team. I think that one makes the most sense, if that's his option to return. I think so. I think you can you can narrow it down pretty easily to that. Meanwhile, Connor Daly, his running this weekend for, what, Jack Harvey, right? Yep. As Jack Harvey's out at, at Gateway. And Marshall says it's all about the leader circle. Look, Connor is... Got great results at Gateway. This is not about him for a 2024 seat. Um, but then the the question had to mention Toby Sowery and Yuri Vips closing out the year, the leader circle strategy for that seat. I mean, I was under the impression that Linus Lundquist would have those final two races with Ray Hall because he tested with them earlier. 
but those names seem to be pretty common out there as far as especially Vips as far as getting a Ray Hall ride before the end of the season so keep an eye out for that Able Motorsports in the 2024 8500 um, they've drawn interest of others want to do a co-entry for next year uh, so that's a good sign as far as them returning and then here's the big one Rick Hendrick Hendrick Motorsports and IndyCar uh-huh Pruitt says if we get to 2025 or 2026, we don't have a full-time McLaren Hendrick IndyCar entry, I will be surprised. Hmm. So, and also he points out this. Aaron McLaren is going to move into the current Andretti Autosports shop in the coming years, which McLaren bought. And that happens ahead of the 25 season. That will allow the growth that McLaren wants. They they can't pull off a fourth entry right now just because they're out of space. But I mean... Okay, so we have Hendrick going to partner with McLaren. We got Hunkos that's going to uh, uh, partner with McLaren. Like, how many cars are they going to run? Like, here's the thing. Like, four four full-time and, and a fifth at Indy? Well, no, it's not, I don't know. Four full-time plus an affiliate program with Hunkos. And, oh, they got this this uh, Hendrick entry that they got a co-entry. <laughs> like, where does it end? Because we're talking about expansion here. They're not going to keep running just four, from what it sounds like, if they're making these partnerships. I uh, you can't win races with three. How are you going to win races with four or five? I, I, I don't know. Ever, I understand everybody wants to partner with McLaren. They have the commercial partners. I, I get it, but at some point. <laughs> that's the thing. And that's going to obviously be the next team that has a junior team, is McLaren. Yes. I would have thought they would be the first ones. But they're going to have a junior team. It's going to be Hunkos, or it's going to be Coin, or somebody that's well, going to be their not, junior not team. Not Coin because of engines unless Well, Coin no, switches. I could see them switching. Okay. I could see them switching to be, to do that. With um, Foyt getting the boost, now Coin is the next team who needs a boost. And one of yeah. the drivers that we've heard is on their radar is Devlin DeFrancesco. Four of the ten full-time teams interested in adding him. Carpenter, Coin, Foyt, Hunkos all have inquired, according to Racer.com. Um, this is a, a guy who's going to bring you a big check. And we at least, for the first time, saw a flash of things at the Gallagher Grand Prix a couple weeks ago. But you're going to need some good engineers. And with a smaller team, I mean, it feels like Coin is just hanging on at this point right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm putting Hunkos above them in terms of performance mm-hmm. and stability, team stability. And I know they have HMD on board, Rickware. I could see at some point one or both of those entities breaking off or buying out Coin. Mm-hmm. And I know Coin's a, an institution in IndyCar, and he goes back a long time, and I get it, but it's just not looking good for a Coin to be nice. This right? year has been it, a surprising step down. I, is it a surprising step down? I could have just well, told you I mean, that Rob was going to be ineffective at the beginning of the yeah, year. Yeah, it's more that Malukas hasn't taken the jump, but part of that is simply because you're looking at a, a dr- driver who you know has lost his engineer, right? Uh, their engineering staff took a big dip just each of the last several years, and it's it feels like it finally caught up to them. After they built up and, and, and got to a good spot, what, in 2016... Yeah, 2017, mm. 2017 with Bourdais True. had a lot of speed at Indy. They they seem to be, a, you know, they had their ups and downs over the last decade, but now it feels like it's finally caught up to them again. Bourdais was seventh in the standings in 2018. Okay, so we're talking 2018, and since then they have not had Bourdais. Bourdais finished 13th in 2019, and he won the points. first race right that year. No, that was 26, 2017, 2017. 2018. Okay. Uh, so 2019, he did not win the first race. So they haven't won since 18. Either. They haven't won since 18, correct. And it's just, you look at this lineup, these lineups of, of drivers, and you're like, uh, I, I don't, I, you know, I, gosh, I forgot the uh, the one race for Ryan Norman two years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, Dale Coy needs to make a considerable investment in the team to stay relevant. And I know the majority of it is his money. He needs to find a solid backer, a financial backer. Um, is that HMD? Is that Rick Ware? I, I, I don't know. But if we're, talking, if we're talking power rankings of teams and how they're sitting long-term, I, I, nobody's, nobody's below coin, in my opinion. That, yeah, it, it, I, I agree. 
I mean, you look at not just this year, but going forward, they don't have a partnership. I mean, I put Carpenter just above Coin. Yeah, but I, I feel like there's some positivity at, at Carpenter. You still have Renus VK, who's an exciting young yeah. talent. He just has struggled. But I just, I man, if the only reason I mean, you lose Malukas, you lose that sponsorship don't you or is hmd staying has that been established uh that's a good question i'm not sure. i know that's kind of been thrown around that hmd wouldn't go with malukas necessarily but would hmd break off on its own thing or at least maybe not next year the year after because they are focusing on indie lights for the for next year too so i don't know i just feel like coin is that team that's just kind of there and when when people talk about how healthy the series is with car counts I look at teams like Coin and be like, what are we gaining from two cars with Coin out there? We we can boast about twenty seven cars. Are we really losing anything if it's two if it's twenty five and both coin cars aren't in there? Not much. And I and I'm not hating on coin, it's just reality. That's where we're at. So car count is fine, but if you have ineffective teams out there, then it doesn't really help the product. And I look at coin as being an ineffective team and not on the upswing. You could look at Hunkos and say they're on the upswing. What Canapino has done this year has been exceptional. And Callum Eilat, despite not having a lot of results this year, is still in demand with right. top teams. You're looking at healthy sponsorships with those, the announcement for next year, right, for the primary sponsor. Um, obviously, the, in, the involvement in the Argentinian race, whatever that looks like. So you feel like there's a lot of positivity with Hunko's Hollinger. Yeah, Canapino is down in, in Argentina doing uh, their version of sports cars. Nice. And the crowd looked nuts. <laughs> but w- where's the positivity around coin? What what are we looking forward to? If you're going to work every day, working at Dale Coin Racing, what what drives you? What's going on? Right? What, what's on the horizon that's going to be like, this is where it starts turning around? I don't know. I just don't know. Meanwhile, Gateway coming up this weekend, the Bomberino Automotive Group 500 on Saturday and Sunday. And already some changes in the driver lineup. We know that Linus Lundquist is back. His first oval race will be in the number 60 for Simon Pagano. Once again, uh, for Meyer Shank Racing, uh, Connor Daly in for Jack Harvey after Harvey is out of the number 30 car at Ray Hall. And then we even have changes... Uh, in in lights too, uh, you have Cape Motorsports not competing. So Jagger Jones and the forty seven car absent. Only fifteen cars for Is, that event. Do you think that's an oval problem? Is that a Cape Motorsports saying we're running out of money for the rest of the season? We don't want to risk completely totaling the card and oval. I think so. That's kind of what I think so too. Uh, and then Hunkos Hollinger. Uh, they'll have Matthew Brabham back driving the oval race. He he filled in for them at Iowa as well in the number 75 car. Some changes so those about. are the changes there. Also, Kiffin Simpson will skip this round. He'll run ELMS at Aragon instead. Uh, he'll be back, though, for Portland and Laguna. HMD will name no replacement. So the, the lights, lights grade getting cut. Quite a bit. Which is what we expected. As you get further into the season or the latter half of the season, latter third of the season, you have drivers going, well, I have this much money left. I'm not winning the championship. I'm just going to put my budget toward next year. Same with the teams. And quite frankly, people wanting more ovals in Indy Lights, and that's nice. I'd like to see more ovals too. Teams in the IndyCar would like to see more ovals. But quite frankly, the budget isn't there for some of these teams in Lights to want to ro- run too many ovals. If you go from, what, two to four? Oh, that that would blow I out I would the imagine budgets. you would lose three or four full-time entries, at least, because of the budget going up. So that's the problem here, is part of the reason why the lights field is so healthy is the lack of ovals. Yes. <laughs> I think people it's don't really truly understand that. Uh, I get why Roger doesn't have it for safety and also for cost. It's unfortunate that we don't have the Freedom 100, but it, it is what it is at this point. That's not going to change anytime soon. So the other change this weekend at Gateway, alternate tires. This is going to be uh-huh. fun. The red tires in effect. So what it means... Uh, the alternates will be used for the Saturday morning practice session. We'll have a set of tires for that. No alternates used in qualifying. And then uh, they will have the other set for the race itself, 260 laps. 
Um, again, one for one set for practice, one for the race. Each driver will have to complete at least two laps on primaries and two laps on a set of alternates in the race. This is going to change the strategy. This will be fascinating to watch. I believe every driver will start on primaries, though. So they have to use both. Mm-hmm. They'll all start on primaries, and then at some point over the course of the, of the race, they have to run the alternates. Or maybe they just run the primaries once and then go to the alternates. We're not really sure which one. But only be. one set. So, I mean. Oh, they only many? get one set of alternates? Yeah. So, well, two sets, but one is for practice and the other is for Okay, so you race. can only one, one, run one set of alternates. You That's, can't go primary, alternate, alternate to, for, the, for the race. I get it. That's my understanding. Do we think this affects the race considerably? It's it's obvious in an an event at an attempt to make a procedural race over the past couple of years less procedural. But do we risk I just I don't want it to become like an IMSA event where it's like different classes and you're just blowing by people that are on different tires and borderline dangerous around an oval. I, I imagine IndyCar has thought this through. I just don't want that to be to happen. So I understand what they're trying to do. I just hope it's not a cluster. We've not seen this before. So it's going to be unique. Uh, I hope it works, but it at least adds some intrigue to a track that has been notoriously difficult to pass at in years past, especially now. The good thing is that the heat wave that we're experiencing here in the Midwest come Sunday afternoon, I think it was supposed to be like low eighties. It'll be out of here in St. Louis. So that will be very helpful. Um, and should help out <laughs> selling tickets as well. So your your schedule for the weekend, again, just a Saturday-Sunday event. You have practice all times Eastern, 11 to noon, Peacock, IndyCar Live, Sirius XM, IndyCar Radio, and qualifying 2 to 3 Eastern on Saturday afternoon. Final practice 5 to 6.45 on Saturday evening. Again, they'll have like a highline practice once again, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then on Sunday, TV window 3.30 to 6.00 on NBC Peacock and then IndyCar Live, Sirius XM, IndyCar Radio for the race. Green flag pretty early. I think it's like at 3.36 Eastern. Ah, not love much the pre-race. Short pre-race. You love the short pre-race. I am a fan. I will tell you, the previous race, uh, was it Nashville? Indy, was uh, Gallagher. Yeah, GP. Gallagher. Um, well, for, the, the event before ran long. Did it really? So my... Let's see. My DVR on Hulu TV did not record the pre-race. Was that because of the it went it, long? It went long. So when so my recording picked up, and they were running the pace laps, and they were like yeah, about to start. You know, within a minute. And or I was two. like, oh, it didn't tape the pre-race. Now, wasn't necessarily disappointed in that. <laughs> Same, but um, it was something we'll get similar this week. Not much of a pre-race. And uh, one other note. So the spotter guide not out as we record this Thursday night, but Graham Rahal will have Hogan Transport. Remember Rahal Hogan Racing uh-huh. back in the kart days? Yep. Uh, Dario Franchitti won, I think, in a Hogan car for his first win at Road, Road America in, what, was that 98, I believe? Um, I think so. So that's really cool to see them back involved in the sport. It looks really cool, and it's just a shame this isn't a night race. Well, that's all I got to say. Yeah, and that's what kind of got, got people started on the, uh, on the throwback race talk. Could really use a night really race. Really nice. Uh, three things from Chad 200 as far as gateway and what to look for is three key stats. Last race won from pole position. You want to guess the last time a, a race at gateway is won from pole? 2022? No. <laughs> 2003, Elio Castroneves. Really? Isn't that crazy? Hmm. Uh, New Garden has won the last three races here. Four wins and seven starts. 484 laps led. Remember, he's won every oval this year, mm-hmm. and he won Gateway last year. So he's won, what, five straight five oval straight. races? Yes, sir. So look for him. And Pato Award finished third, second, second, fourth in his four starts, led laps in each race, 141 total, and uh, has the best average finish, 2.8. Mm. Not bad. Averaging a podium. Not bad at all. So look for that this weekend as well. So time to pick some winners. I don't think we got to reach too hard on this one. Um, one of us is going to pick Joseph Newgarden. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but are we both picking Joseph Newgarden? Um, no, I'm not going to pick Joseph Newgarden. Okay, sure I, I, I won't either then. I'll, uh, I'll, you know what? Uh, our, our non-Joseph pick. Non-Joseph we'll pick. You can't pick Division. Joseph. Okay. Who do you have then? 
I am going to take a first-time winner this season and say Pato Award wins a okay. giveaway. I'm going to go with Marcus Erickson. Okay. Uh, I mean, he's, he's become a pretty solid oval driver. I think he's kind of due for another win. Um, I guess my, my backup would be Will Power just because he hasn't won yet. But, yeah, I'll go with Erickson. You're going with Pato. Again, this is non-Joseph Newgarden yeah, non-Joseph Newgarden pick. <laughs> so I'll go Pato. Uh, if you agree or disagree with our picks, let us know. You can reach us. Our website NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for the email list. It is free to subscribe. You'll get uh, episode announcements and any other special announcements. Plus, you can check out our store. We have t-shirts and stickers for sale. Uh, you can also support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash NewTrackRecord. Thanks to Xavier, Rob, and several others for their support each and every month. Again, that just starts at one buck a month in U.S. dollars to support us. Uh, on social media, you can reach us, IndyCar Podcast, on Instagram or Twitter. On Facebook, just search for New Track Record. You can also email us, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. And as always, reach us and follow us for free and download your favorite episode on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Overcast, CastBox, uh, Player FM, whatever podcasting app you prefer, you can find us on there to download and listen for free napster i don't think we're on napster uh, i don't i don't think disappointing. so yeah limewire no <laughs> no like this is free this is not an illegal download <laughs> <laughs> that's true that not we know illegal of. download yeah mm-hmm. that, that we know of okay mailbag time uh and the the silly season article this is from last week that we covered but all the twists and turns jeremy from hbg is this guy close enough quisp cereal you know talking about all the the rosenquist uh-huh. Lundquist. Uh, I'm missing another quist. Um, uh, with all the, all the names. Blomquist, thank you. Um, meanwhile, the Alex Pillow lawsuit. I, I posted the And Here We Go gif of the Joker mm-hmm. as far as the lawsuit. Yep, here we go. Enjoy. Uh, Jeremy from HBG. No way Chip is paying for that lawsuit. Zero chance. I think we have that last week. And then uh, Hunter's Way 67 said, Pillow might be screwed. Chip ain't helping with that. That not is at all. Very true. Chip is not going to chip in. Chip is not around. chipping in for that. No. Uh, we have a correction from last week. This is from Scuba Steve eighty five. Appreciate this. He said slight correction. Dixon won the Indy GP in twenty twenty. The only reason I remember is because that was the first race where the lift in victory lane was working again. <laughs> it's an iconic moment in my mind. There you go. That was a race that Graham Ray Hall dominated, but Dixon won. Shocker. We've seen that mm, before. Yeah, sounds familiar. <laughs> Now that like he brought it up, and I was like, oh, yeah, that was another one Ray Hall should have won mm-hmm. and didn't. Um, ben Smith for real on the Pillow drama. Uh, good. It takes a lot to get Chip pissed enough to say something publicly about a competitor, but McLaren trying to poach a contracted driver did the trick. Good stuff. It's, it's true. I mean, it, the, the fact that Chip spoke up says a lot because I don't think anyone would have expected that. Um the, the shocking news of the Penske and Foyt affiliation. Got a lot of great replies here. Uh, Jeremy from HBG. If Santino stays, this could greatly increase his chances of winning a race. Mm-hmm. Bauer Racing says, just think how much Penske could learn from Foyt. Uh, Poet Shevchenko, <laughs> g- great position for Santucci. Uh, Nick J. Fletcher, finally Penske reaching out for the help they need to return their program to fame and glory. <laughs> oh, that's the text of the, or the, the yeah, or the tweet Great of tweet. the week for us, at least to us. Yes, to Witty. us on the replies. Witty. Very, very good stuff there. Uh, elsewhere on the rumor mill, so Erickson to Andretti confirmed, I posted the poll, what team does David Malukas race for in 2024? Um Nearly 42% of you said Andretti, 29% Ganassi, 15% McLaren, and nearly 14% of you said Other. Uh, Daguerre said, I'm surprised ECR isn't an option, since that has been a rumor for quite some time. Uh, did I miss this rumor? Like, have you heard that rumor? I have not I've heard not the seen rumor. It. I, would, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's and, a thing. But. This is one of many. Uh, Hunter's Way 67 said ECR, 500 Indy 1911 said Carpenter, done deal. Um... Uh, the Roth said Foytsky. Uh, <laughs> you said Bird Treadway Racing. Yep. Good, good blast from the past. Nick J. Fletcher said, I voted for Andretti. 
but I wanted to make it clear that I think Roth Racing is in the mix. <laughs> Marty Roth. Yes. For newcomers, look up Marty Roth and Roth Racing. It's a great blast from the past. And then Patrick underscore Stankus. Uh, Andretti Askew. Ganassi 8 is Lundquist. And 11 is Armstrong. McLaren goes with Drugovich. That's Felipe Drugovich mm-hmm. from F2, right? Yep. And then Carpenter with Malukas. So... Uh, those are interesting predictions. Could be right. We shall see. I, I didn't know the Carpenter Malukas thing, though. That one clearly. No, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising. Not on my radar. I just haven't heard that. But we, we don't hear everything, folks. We no. Could, could, be, could very much be in play. Uh, this, uh, I, I made a joke about Alex Blow getting the advance, you know, from McLaren to help his lawsuit. Jeremy from HBG saying, Alex is going to have to start a Pallonly fans. Yes, instead of uh, OnlyFans. Yeah, I get it. Uh, I picked up on yeah, it. I thought that was pretty good, pretty clever. Um, and I think our followers that are covers so witty. It. Yes. That Much covers wittier it. than us. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> that is that is it for the mailbag. So news and notes time. We have a, a few things to get to. IndyCar had the hybrid test uh, mm-hmm. last week. And Scott Dixon uh, with some interesting comments on what it will mean and what things will look like moving forward said... Uh, it will change the strategy. Also, it will make the racing even more spicy, which will be pretty cool. Uh, the Honda test livery is sick. If you've, if you've seen is this it? with the hybrid. Yeah. I have not. Uh, it's like a, a silver, like a chrome with black mm. and red. And then 93 is the number. Can't go wrong with chrome. Yeah, I, I think. Or maybe it's white, but it's just the, the look of the computer. It looks really cool. Very nice. And that will be a great factor uh, next year in races that obviously will follow along. Speaking of Dixon, he uh, helped Bubba Wallace before the race at Watkins Glen in Cup last Sunday. Uh, Wallace said he reached out to Scott Dixon before the race, and he said, I talked to him this morning, shout out to Scott Dixon, about the mental piece, because this was right before you know the, the playoffs. Uh-huh. So Scott Dixon getting some love. Uh, Joseph Newgarden will join the factory Porsche Penske team for Petit Le Mans. His first IMSA GTP outing, which is kind of hard to believe he's not really done anything sports car. I mean, it's just kind of something that's kind of overlooked. And then when he got announced, it's like, yeah, I guess he hasn't yet. But it'd be fun for him to participate in. Uh, Do you feel like he's becoming more apt to try other things now that he's won an Indianapolis 500? Well, yeah, of course. You have that weight off your back. And it's like, oh, now I have the liberty. Now that I don't have to lock in. Yeah, I think now that you you don't have to get swole like he is um you can just kind of chill out a yeah you can just relax and chill you got that indy 500 win but no i think i think that's exactly what it is is he's not solely focused on indy car indy 500 indy car championship he's got that 500 win and maybe now he's like yeah yeah i'd like to try some other things now that i got that in my back pocket uh of course he'd be willing to try nascar if the opportunity presented itself adam stern uh, reporting that Amazon.com and Warner Brothers Discovery competing to broadcast a new package of NASCAR races. This comes after last week of NASCAR getting a, a Netflix series for following the, the playoff. Uh-huh. Which, Cup. of course, gets people IndyCar people, oh, why not IndyCar? Okay. Well. IndyCar's not Formula One. IndyCar's not NASCAR. Smaller audience. <laughs> Much smaller audience. Absolutely. Um, what else do we have? Let's see. Milwaukee Mile, so they're back this weekend for the NASCAR uh, Craftsman Truck Series race. They expect 20,000 fans. So if this weekend goes well, this will help IndyCar and their return. I so think fingers not crossed only, things go well. Yeah, not only attendance-wise, but um, infrastructure-wise, everything going well. And, and when Pinsky said stuff. upgrades, I was reading a lot this week from people who've been recently to the mile, and they basically said, yeah, the bathrooms need some work. It's Do like they? infrastructure Well, like you know that. how Pinsky is with bathrooms. Yes. It'll be immaculate. It, um, at least he kept the troughs. Yes. Well, here's the thing is, I guess I'm wondering, so the, the trucks are there? So yes. I guess I'm wondering what kind of infrastructure you need that's not already there or upgrades. If you're having a truck race, wouldn't you think that you have everything you need? Or am I like missing something obvious? One would think, right? Okay. Just wondering if it's me. If somebody's yelling at their phone or however you're listening, going, "No, you need this." <laughs> I, I just don't know. My, my thinking is, if if NASCAR signs off on a truck race, there, you would think it'd be good enough for IndyCar, particularly in an oval. It's not like, oh, we don't have a rough runoff area or blah 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 at a road course. It's an oval, so. But that's me. 
I I fully agree. Maybe NASCAR has lower standards about the urinals than Roger <laughs> Penske has, which like could very it was, well be the case. It was bathrooms, I think, backing up or having issues, which yeah, you don't want to deal really with at a race. You don't want feces floating around yeah. in your bathrooms. People tend to frown upon such things. Moving on. Speaking of NASCAR, motorsport games might not see the end of 2023. They're trying to sell their NASCAR license. But again, we, we heard something, was it last week or two yeah, weeks we, ago, about it was a tease positive about, future for video games. It's clearly not with motorsport games. I mean, That's if they're trying to sell their NASCAR license, wouldn't they just be trying to sell everything? One would think. You'd think. Um, and then uh, a sad note to pass along, uh, Bill Vukovic II, the 1968 Indy 500 Rookie of the Year, 12-time Indy starter, uh, passed away. Uh, so, uh, again, a very famous name in racing, obviously. Uh, with with the Vukic, Vukovic family at IMS, but he passed away uh, several days ago. And had a pretty successful racing career. Talked so much about his father, but um, had a lot of success racing um, over the years. Um, did a lot. He was a third. I mean, he was the third generation driver because he was Bill Vukovic the third. Correct. Uh, this is the second. The second. So there is a third. There is a third, but, he's but he died. The third yeah. already died in an automobile accident, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. But the second did a lot of USAC stuff. Um, was 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 a mainstay in USAC for a long time in the '60s and '70s and, and early '80s, and it was in the late '70s, early '80s is when he got into IndyCar and not just a uh, Indy 500 guy, but raced for my favorite Rattlesnake Racing it's in 1981. Uh, he finished second. In 1973, in the rain shortened race, six top 10 finishes in the 500. So that is quite good. Uh, he was 79 years old, died on August 20th, but uh, really good career, including a seventh place finish in 1968 in his debut, winning Rookie of the Year um, in, in a car fielded by J.C. Agajanian, a very famous mm-hmm. name in Indy 500 lore. Yes. Uh, his lone career victory, September 16, 1973, at Michigan International Speedway, 125-mile race, first event of a doubleheader that day. Best season came in 72, when he was second in USAC Champ Car standings behind Joe Leonard. Impressive. Famous name, but uh, an impressive racing record for him, not just his old man. Absolutely. Tweets of the week time and a couple to get to this week. From Murderhawk 500, zero days since last Alex Plo lawsuit. It's almost like the zero days since last Andretti Autosport screw-up. <laughs> yes. Uh, from Scott McLaughlin, uh, my wife describing an oval to her grandma. Yeah, it's an oval this weekend. You know, the quick circle ones you call them gives you a heart flutter with a <laughs> Long Island accent. So I, I can't even do a Long Island accent, so I'm Me not going to try. But I'm sure that was hilarious to hear. And then Stingray Rob. I met someone named Corvette today. I knew I wasn't the only one. Hashtag middle name Civic. So your name is Stingray. Civic seems tame in comparison, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, Corvette Civic, yeah. Yeah, right? Corvette, I mean, it's 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 a, a bold first name, and then you got to tone it down for true. the middle name. That's true. You can't go all out. Kick it super crazy. So that's that's all we got for Tweets of the Week. Random Split Era Driver of the Week time. Uh, random split era driver of the week. We're going to the 2005 champ car season, and Ooh. we're going with Bjorn Wordheim. Who? Who is a Swedish professional race car driver. The infamous son, of course, of the of uh, Ornolf Wordheim, who is also a racing driver. You're huh. just making up names. No, it's true. It's, it's a real, real person. So we're talking about Bjorn Wordheim, born in Sweden. And did some Formula 3000 for a couple years. And in 2003, 2004, was actually uh, a third driver for in Formula 1. Huh. And he was for Jordan Ford in 2003. Yeah, they did not do well. Nope. And then Jaguar Racing the following year. They did not do well. No. Nope. Was he teammates with Justin Wilson? Or that, that would have been after Wilson's time. Uh, that Yeah, who was it with... Let's see. Jordan Ford was Nick Heidfeld. Okay. Giorgio Pontano. Oh, Georgie Pants. Yep. 
and uh, and Timo Glock. Oh, another also another. Not yeah. really a random smoker driver of the week, but, a, but an obscure, yes, obscure the one indeed. that we we use. But uh, his his only year of competition in Champ Car was 2005 with HF, HVM Racing. Raced 11 of the 13 events on the season. His high finish was at, in eighth place at both Monterey um, on the streets of Monterey and the streets of San Jose. But he also finished sixth at Vegas. Which was not the road course; it was the oval. Uh, finished fourteenth overall in points. It says um, he turned to the HVM racing team after Formula One, run by former Pacific F1 team boss Keith Wiggins. The team was underfunded after losing its previous Herdes backing, and a lack of testing made it difficult for the team to be competitive. After mediocre results, Wordheim and the team decided to part ways after 11 races into the season. I mean, you look at it, and his lowest finish was 15th, but how small was the fields in Champ Car in 2005? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at... Probably under twenty cars most races. So he wasn't that good. But so the the notable thing HVM that year was CTE HVM racing, and no, not uh, not the, the brain, the brain injury. <laughs> what was it? Uh, uh, I I can't even remember what it is. But no, it was Cedric the Entertainer. Uh huh. HVM racing, the comedian. Hmm. Um, after after his one year in Champ Car, did Formula Nippon over in Japan for a couple years, then got into Super GT and has r- raced in Super GT as recently as 2019. Also did some European Le Mans, some uh, World Endurance Championship as well, and some Scandinavian Touring Car, which I know you follow intently. <laughs> but uh, still with us, 43 years old. Um, it looks like he's no longer racing, but Swedish professional race car driver, Mr. Bjorn Wordheim, this week's random split era driver of the week. Another name that I've never heard of, but he had a very good season in his limited yeah, outing Yeah, good in by Jeep car comparisons, I guess. And obviously had an F1 career, which, I mean, even if you're not doing anything as a test driver, it's still notable. Absolutely. All right. Well, that wraps Good it up. Good to learn more about Bjorn. Yes, Bjorn. Not to be confused with Bjorn Borg. Correct. Uh, the tennis great. Uh, so that wraps it up for this week. Next week, we'll be back to recap the Bomberito Automotive Group 500. For Justin Kitty, I'm Caleb Hatch. This has been New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.